give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up. What's good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your boys from the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. However, today's a special Draft Act episode because we're doing a little a little mini-sode, a little side episode called Draft Knicks. So you know your boys from New York, and I love the New York Knicks uh, fandom. The New York Knicks, I'm impartial to, but the fandom, has, I feel like, has adopted me as one of their own um, since I started covering the draft. And uh, I feel a connection. So we're going to talk some New York Knicks throughout the rest of this draft process. And we had to start it off, Rucker, with the number one Knicks fan in the world. Spike went to Brooklyn. He lost his title. (laughs) The number one Knicks fan in the world is my guy, CP, the franchise from Knicks Fan TV. CP, what's good, brother? Yo, fellas, man, always, always a pleasure connecting with you guys. You guys are doing big things. This is a pivotal time for uh, all the teams that haven't, you know, made the playoffs. I mean, yeah, made the playoffs, all the lottery teams, Knicks fans included. You know, we're always uh, uh, highly anticipating the draft coverage. So uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate that, man. I mean, shit, we've been working together now for a couple of years come draft yeah, time. It's, yeah. you know, 2020 first cycle. Uh Draft time is when we really, really connect, and uh, it's about to heat up. We're about to to do some fun stuff. So, yeah, yeah. First I, thing I, would I, w- say, I would just say for me, man, you know, because I cover the Knicks on a on a twenty four seven cycle, like I really don't get into college basketball as much as I'd like to, except for like when the tournament starts. So we really rely on your expertise, and you guys are doing a great job. Alex Morante's been on my show a couple of times as well. I think he's he's a sharp guy. So uh, yeah, man, what, what you guys do is really valuable to the community. Before we start, you know, I, I, for the people, you know, my audience who aren't familiar with what you do, you are like the media game changer in the content space, the independent content space. So just fill in uh, the audience on on what it is Knicks Fan TV is. Yeah, so so Knicks Fan TV, it's just about bringing the fans together, man, to to react and comment on the team that they love, you know, to give them a platform to voice their opinion, uh, whether it's good or bad, whether it's, you know, toxic or, or overly, you know, Homer or Homerist, Homeristic, if I can make that word up, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they just want that platform to vent and, you know, through the wins and the losses after every game, they come to my platform, Knicks fan TV on YouTube and uh, we, we'll cover the game. We'll break it down. We'll break down the stats and then, you know, we'll take our phone calls from the fans from all around the world. And, you know, that's a benefit of our show. It's, it's that it's it's a sports radio built for the digital age. That That's what I like to call it. You know, Corey, as I always told you, I came up on the, on the mic in the Mad Dog era, WFAN here in New York. That was the flagship station for, for sports media. Every show now, whether it's First Take or First Things First or uh, Skip and Shannon, they all owe their success, their content format to Mike and the Mad Dog. These guys started in the late 80s. So, uh, you know, that was a program that I came up on as a kid, just listening to the radio. You know, when I wake up, listening to it, when I go to sleep, just a fanatic of that type of coverage. And I, like I said, I just wanted to build that for the fans in the digital age on the on-demand cycle. And, and it's been taken off ever since. It's crazy. All the people in the content space, all the kids growing up, you know, Mad Dog's been in 
in the news lately, and everybody's like, "Who's this dude, oh, Mad Dog?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like pioneer is who he is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading those comments, and I'm like, you know, I laugh, and then on the other end, I'm like, damn, I'm getting old, bro. I'm getting real old, <laughs> man. Nobody knows who this guy is, and I'm watching him every day. Like, first off, I think it's crazy that you know he's on the first take platform because he always used to be kind of like the anti Stephen A. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, Mad Dog, like you said, he's he's been a pioneer in the game. He's got you know his own channel on Sirius XM, so uh, very successful for sure. What was it like taking over the fan? You, I mean, right. dream come true, bro. I still can't believe I even did that. You know, <laughs> to host my own show uh, on the fan with my own producer, looking across on the other side of the glass, sitting in the chair where Mike Francesa sat, you know, where Craig Carton and, and Evan Roberts do their show. It, it was a surreal experience. I still can't even believe I did that. <laughs> Honestly, man, I still cannot believe I did that because, again, that was uh, the station that I would try to call in to, to get my takes could never get through. And here I was, you know, sitting at the helm and, and man in the con and my own show and taking callers in. It, it was, uh, I just, you know, I was blessed to have that opportunity. It was incredible. Man. I, I feel you on that. Like doing some of the stuff we've been doing lately at no ceilings, getting in some of these like pre-draft workouts. There are moments where it's just, I'm like, shit, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not the guy on the phone screen watching this. Like, this is me. So I, I, as a New Yorker, like me too, growing up, listening to the fan. I mean, seeing you, you do that was, you know, one of the coolest things, you know, that, that I got to see in a long time as somebody who, you know, you're my guy. Um, Before we get into draft stuff, you, uh, you broke out a little, a little CP bomb yesterday, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, as, as I always say, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll get little tidbits uh, during free agency, during the trade deadline, and and now during the offseason. Like what I tell fans is, look, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not in this thing to be an insider, right? I'm a content creator. I host a platform for you guys to come in and talk Knicks. We'll do interviews and so on and so forth. But when I do get intel, I'm going to share it with the fans. And so the intel like that I got was that you know Adam Silver's is very aggressive. They're going full steam ahead on an in-season tournament. And, and the, the, the basis for this is they want more casual fans watching the game. They want to make the regular season a bit more enticing to the casual fan by having an early in-season tournament to kind of get those people into the fold, you know, earlier. It's a revenue, it's, it's a revenue idea and, and, again, a way to continue to grow the game and, and get more casual fans into it. Rucker, what do you think? Do you, do you like the idea of a midseason tournament? You know, it, it's funny because I think a lot of fans out there always get, I mean, myself included, we get scared when it's the new ideas. We're, we're old fashioned. We like the, the typical old school system. But, you know, we're also the same fans that hated the play-in tournament. And this year we were like, man, the play-in tournament's great. We love this. Like the, the drama, the anticipation. So this is sort of an idea I feel like it's been brewing with the NBA, you know, kind of taking a – a page out of the overseas like they yeah. do this in football they do this with the euro league sometimes so i i'll be interested to see it i, I definitely think you know mm-hmm. like we're saying revenue it's going to bring more viewers it's going to bring more interest so i'll be interested to see what happens but yeah i, I mean I, the plan tournament i thought it was a terrible idea and now i'm like this is great i love it yeah. so i'll be interested to see what it's about all right sticking with the overseas theme mm-hmm. cp Rokas, 
Yes. yes. Over there. Yes. My my Lithuanian brethren. <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, how, what what's the pulse on, on Rokas? Is is he coming over next year or or what? You know the Euroleague Player of the Year as announced mm-hmm. today. You got to put some respect on his name. Um, I had a chance to speak to him last year during summer league. I was very impressed uh, with his limited uh, outings with the Knicks summer league team. I thought he came in there very poised after his first game, and you know just trying to get a feel for things. Obviously, he was, he was a fish out of water, but he seemed to gain confidence as the games went on, and so uh, I liked his his approach to the game. And, uh, you know, right now he's over there in the ACB league and he's tearing it up. What we did here was that early this season, early, he said that uh, he wasn't going to come. He wasn't going to come over and play and that he was going to stick around maybe one, maybe even two years. And I think that may be better for him. You know, I think based on where the Knicks are right now, I think this next season is really pivotal for Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau as well. I don't think they're really in a position where, they want a, you know, a young, um, unestablished point guard manning the helm. I think they want some more experience there. They want to try to, you know, recapture the magic that was their, their first year together and, and try to get some more wins. This past season was a bit of a disappointment for them. So I think this is a big season for Tom Thibodeau, big season for Leon Rose. And so it may be better for Yaku Baitis, who's tearing it up in the ACB League, to continue to do that, continue to gain some more experience until he can, you know, be guaranteed a more established role here with the Knicks. Yeah, I remember that quote, him saying, like, he didn't want to, like, they had uh, Kemba and all these guys, Derrick Rose in front of him, and he's like, what am I going to go to sit on the bench for? Rucker, what did you like about him last year during the draft? Yeah, I, I was really intrigued with him as a as a prospect um, coming into the draft, and I think you know he's going to be a guy that I really do believe can contribute at a high level in the NBA whenever he does come over. I think obviously you know we want the Knicks to get a point guard. You know, all of our all of the fans in the basketball world, we <laughs> want the Knicks to have a point guard. They've been struggling. They they need to get someone that can run it. I think thinking maybe Rokas could be like your starting guy might be a little rich, right. but yeah. he could be a really nice piece. Like he could be a very solid addition to your rotation. So I think it's going to be smart. You know, he, he definitely had a big year with another year of development overseas, but you know, like we're saying, I, I think it's going to be smart if the Knicks try to almost look the veteran route in free agency, you know, maybe they get lucky and get a Jalen Brunson. Maybe they can get yeah. something along those lines because when you try to keep gambling with the rookies and the young guys to fill that void, you can run into some dangerous, you know, places. Yeah, I, I think this is just a this is a high pressure situation this third year under the Tibbs regime, Leon Rose. Right. I think it'd be unfair to kind of bring him in here. Like I said, it, it, this is a big one for Tibbs, so I think they will lean on the the veteran route at the point. So, CP, what's the pulse on the point guard position? Because if you go on Twitter. And you try to make a recommendation that, that doesn't start with IQ. <laughs> Is this the quickly yeah. hour? Do we officially you better, reach it yes, 10 minutes you, in? You better run and hide. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If, you, if you try to say that quickly ain't that guy. So, I mean, you know, I know you got guys in, in high places. Uh, what's the pulse? Like, do, does the team believe that quickly could be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks? Or yeah. uh, do they think he's like this change of pace guy off the bench who's going to be like more of a Lou Williams type guy. See, I think it's the latter, but it's just interesting because, you know, starting this past season, 
and really starting from Summer League. We start our show from Summer League and, and we're in it, you know, as delusional fans, right? <laughs> Watching Summer League with, with great intensity and trying to see, you know, who, who's going to be uh, uh, worth, worth, worth it at, at the regular season level. But, you know, really just watching quickly from the Summer League, his interactions with Thibodeau and the coaching staff, you could tell he was really trying to work on his game as a point guard and as a playmaker. And even though he had some tough, tough stretches early in the regular season, he really struggled, especially shooting. But but you could tell he was really trying to think out there of when to get himself involved, when to get his team involved. He's kind of forcing the action, not really sure of himself. Uh, but he ultimately settled in. And especially in the second half of the season, quickly as a playmaker, was terrific, man. He was pushing the pace. He was uh, getting his teammates involved. He's getting into the paint. He was drawing fouls. He really had a solid command of what Thibodeau wanted out there in the offense. And even though he didn't start, he kind of took on that D Rose role off of the bench and really running that young second unit with Toppin and and uh, Quentin Grimes when he was available. Cam Reddish when he was there. Deuce McBride, you know, they would have Deuce McBride playing off of quickly and and quickly really taking the reins there. The the chemistry between quickly and Obi has has really evolved from last year into summer league into the preseason season and, and so on and so you know quickly is definitely taking that step if you look at whether it's the eye test or the advanced metrics the team is a better team when he's on the court but you just didn't see him get many starts he had two starts last year so again i understood it in in the way that yes when rose went down we needed somebody that you can count on to get the second unit involved but i just felt like the way that next season went, they missed a lot of opportunities to really give him a longer evaluation as a starter to see how he would mesh with RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle as well. So I'm not so sure if, if they're going to hand the keys over to him. Knicks fans certainly want that based on what's out there and, and what the possibilities are. Uh, but I'm not so sure where the organization stands because up until the 82nd game, Alec Burks was your starting point guard. <laughs> Which, which was just a head-scratcher. Even when they yeah. were eliminated from the playoffs, it was still Alec Burks at the point. Yeah, what's interesting is, quickly, historically, is the type of player that Tom Thibodeau values, gets the most out of. I mean, you know, uh, Nate Robinson, uh, John Lucas, like these small guys who can get buckets and aren't necessarily like these big-time playmakers. Like, Thibodeau has always gotten the most out of those guys. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning of the year, it felt like quickly was pressing a little bit. Like he was almost trying to play the role that the team wanted him to play. And then you saw him at the end of the year, get comfortable in that role. And that's when you saw him take off part of my thing at the end of the season that I get a little worried about. And like, I even, you know, the end of the year, like Davion Mitchell was, was putting in work, like giving dudes the business, but it's like how much of that is, really the development of the player and how much of it is like dudes are resting. It's the end of the year. Teams are tanking. Is there any fear that like, it's a little bit of a mirage with quickly or, or do you think that this is kind of the momentum that he should take to go into year three and like get that starting role? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see what you mean. And especially later on in the year, you know, he had a triple double against the magic you know, one of the worst teams in the league. He, he had uh, another solid game against the Raptors who were basically resting everybody. So yeah, you had kind of have to take the competition uh, into consideration, 
But on the other hand, I also felt like, you know, he, he the game seems like it slowed down for him in, in certain respects. And uh, on that West Coast trip, he had a couple of solid games. In the game in Miami against Miami with no Julius Randle, uh, with the team down by 20 points. I mean, he was the lightning rod of that comeback on both ends of the court. I forgot how much he scored in that fourth quarter, but he was pivotal to the Knicks getting that win against a solid, solid Miami Heat defense. So I think it was a mixed bag in, in terms of the competition, but he certainly, as you said, especially in the second half of the season, he certainly seemed to get more comfortable and get into a groove. Yeah. Now you talk about his, his chemistry with Obi. Obi came on the end of the year. This is a guy, he came in a tough spot. Because, you know, when the Knicks drafted him, and I remember, like, we were doing the, the draft show that night, and I felt like we didn't think that Obi was even going to be available to them. I, I think we, we were thinking maybe Cavs, um, Obi falls, and then Julius Randle has this out-of-body experience for a year straight. <laughs> and he was on the way out in, yeah. at the end of 2020, right? Like, <laughs> we thought that he might have been on the move. He gets the extension, and now it puts Obi in this weird spot where – the Knicks are locked into this guy who was an all NBA type player. He's on this long-term deal. Who knows if they can get off him, but Obi's the kind of guy who needs to get on the court and play. And he's got this pressure that he was a lottery pick who was a little bit older, but then he finally started showing the flashes. My question is Julius Randall back next year. Mitch comes back next year. We'll see what happens to free agency. But if he comes back, where does Obi fit in to the Knicks next year and in the future honestly i think it's the same i think it's the same as it's been you you have tom thibodeau as your coach who values rim protection and 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 has shown very little uh in terms of experimenting with smaller lineups Mm -hmm. because of his perceived uh, um, you know, defensive issues. And and I think there are defensive issues when, when Julius will be on the court. You know, some people will look at this small sample size that says, yes, it's a positive net rating when they're there. When I see them out there together, it doesn't appear that way. I, and I think it could be more so Julius Randle's uh, d- defensive uh, deficiencies in terms of playing at the five rather than Obi Toppin. And so I don't see them coexisting on the court as long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach. And what we saw from Obi Toppin, as you said, is he needs reps. He needs minutes to get going. He's not a guy that can just, you know, be instant offense off the bench in, you know, nine minutes a game. He needs 20 plus to get going. And, and what we saw from him, the stark contrast as a starter, he was averaging, you know, 17 plus with those minutes, getting them out in transition, attacking the rim. You saw very confident Obi Toppin when he got those minutes and he admitted it to the media in a media session saying that when he was a starter, he didn't really have to look over his shoulder at the first turnover or the first defensive lapse, right? And Tibbs was always going to take him out and put Randall in. Obi didn't have that. So he was able to play more loose and play more free. And it showed out there on the court. But the dilemma is, is that you gave Julius Randall a max contract. It doesn't appear to me that despite his, uh, lackluster season this past season doesn't appear to me that they're going to trade him just for anything or trade low on him. His values can't get any lower right now. So I think they're in a, they're in a big predicament with, with, with Obi Toppin. And if they do bring back Mitchell Robinson, or even if they don't, I, I still don't see uh, a way that Mitchell, that uh, Obi Toppin and Julius Randall are on the court in extended minutes where you're really, really getting the most out of 
your eighth pick. And that brings me to the first draft point I really want to make. A lot of people think that the Knicks' big issue is point guard, and that's what they need to find in the draft. And I kind of think the Knicks need to modernize the roster. I think they need guys who can play up and down the lineup, versatile wings that aren't just going to be, oh, well, Obi can't really play because Julius is there. You know, Julius, really, you're playing him at the four. Mitch, you're really, you're just playing him at the five. Um, you know, even quickly, like, he's really just going to guard ones in a playoff setting, right? Like, he's he's not big enough to switch up. I, I think the Knicks got to get versatile. They got to get wingy. You know, I know a lot of people want Cam to be that guy. But I don't know, Rucker, where are you at with Cam? Because to me, I watch him, and the, he's the same player, the same frustrating player that he's been since he graduated high school. Yeah, I, I think he's – we're seeing exactly every year we're, we're getting drunk with the idea of, like, look what Cam can be when he's rolling, and then it goes away. It, like, disappears. It's like a giant tease. And, and when the Knicks traded for him, I was like, what a great move. Like, go get an asset with high potential for basically nothing. I felt like it was just an absolute steal. But, you know, it, it, Tibbs is Tibbs. And – He's a mad scientist. He just, it wasn't working. It hasn't really clicked yet. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm probably the exact same way as Knicks fans. I'm frustrated watching it because I was like, that is going to be a steal next to RJ Barrett. That's exactly what the Knicks need to take the next step forward, kind of get back on the right track. And now you're still having some unanswered questions. Um, It's kind of the same story we were just talking about with, with Toppin and Julius Randall, where you just, don't really have that certainty. So still a little bit frustrated. I imagine CP and Nick's faithful are, are still in that same boat too. So I don't know. What about you guys? Um, extreme, extremely frustrated. And, and I think Corey hit it on the head. It's, it's positional versatility that we're lacking when you're talking about roster construction and building a roster of complementary pieces. Um, we just don't have that, you know, you know, 40 at the three RJ at three, we need verse positional versatility. Look at the guys in the playoffs. It's Tatum. It's Brown. It's Giannis. It's it's Kevin Durant. It's Mikhail Jimmy Bridges. Paul. It's Mikhail yeah. Bridges. Right? You have Luka Doncic. Like you need guys that can go out there and that can guard twos, threes, fours, maybe even a little one. You know, Mikhail Bridges can can get out there with his long wingspan and 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 make it tough for opposing point guards. The Knicks just don't have that, and that's what I was really looking forward to in in bringing Cam Reddish in here to see if, you know, he can be that guy that we can use his length, use his athleticism. We don't have enough athletes on this team. And, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, we, we just don't have that offensively. Uh, as you said, you, you like the flashes, right? And to me, he was the only guy watching him. He was the only guy that can get to the rim without, a, without needing a screen. You know, that's one thing with RJ, he can get there. He can use his power. He can use his strength, but Cam could just get there with that quick first step. And that's the athleticism that I think we're sorely missing on this team. You look at a team like the Raptors, it seems like every guy on their team can, can do that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I, I always thought yeah. the Raptors the wing factory because they got guys and guys and guys that just come out of the wood, woodworks, that, but they're so versatile. And, and we just don't have that. So I think that's one of the key positions that I'm looking for in the draft to see if we can get that and, as Corey said, really modernize his roster because it's just not there right now. Yeah, I wrote about – that concept of the Raptors for no ceilings, what would Masai do in this draft? And when I'm looking at draft prospects, one of my, my draft philosophies this year, what would Masai Ujiri do? 
right? And so speaking of the draft, like I know you've been, you know, doing a little bit of draft work yourself, a little research yeah. at that time of the year. Are there any guys in the Knicks range right now? The Knicks are at 11. We got the draft lottery coming up. So yep, maybe yep. there, maybe you'll, maybe there'll be a little bit of lottery luck, but are there any guys you've had your eyes on that kind of fit yep. that bill of versatility? You know, it's tough, man. I, I really like Matherin. Uh, I love Matherin out of Arizona. I thought he had a solid, solid uh, uh, NCAA tournament. Right now they have him between, you know, the six and eight range. Not sure if the Knicks can jump up there. You have guys like a Johnny Davis. Again, I'm not, you know, he's, he's more of a two guard. But again, that type of scoring ability is something that I think the Knicks could also use in, in their starting lineup. I want to get your take on a guy like a Jeremy Sochan, though. You know, a lot of people are, are hyping up this kid, Jeremy Sochan, out of Baylor. Uh, what do you guys think about him? So, uh, first of all, and uh, we I don't even know if this is the right pronunciation, but it, it's either Suhan or Sohan. We, we don't know yet. <laughs> I've said it we wrong all yeah, year, so don't right. worry about it. I my, like strategy, the best. <laughs> my strategy is I switch it up. And say yes. it both ways. Be right both ways. Both ways. Yeah. So what first thing I'll say, um, great hair, cool tattoos, British accent, clean up in New York. He's gonna he'll 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 be at the club, he'll clean up. Yeah, um yeah. but I love I love Soha, man. Like this mm. kid, super young, right? Big, strong, physical, and like you said, versatile. You watch him close out closing possession against UNC in the tournament isolation on uh you know the the guards the uh, shifty guards in North Carolina and he's like cool like I got this I'm on an island by myself don't worry I don't need help like I'm gonna use my length my my uh, IQ and I'm gonna force you into a tough shot on the perimeter instead of blowing by me you want to switch a, a more powerful guy try to bang in the post you're not moving me and I'm long so I, I love his that versatility and you know, he's uh, you watch some film from, you know, some of the the international stuff with him. And there's a little bit more wing ability that you see there that maybe he didn't get to show at Baylor. The jump shot's questionable for sure. And I think when you put him in a lineup with RJ and Mitch and Julius Randle, it's tough. It's tough there with, with the spacing and what that offense could get a little clunky. Yeah. But he's the type of guy you take a shot on. Like he's that OG Ananobi type. Right, right. Mold that Patrick Williams. And he's honestly a guy, you know, and I was trying to figure out who it was going to be this year. Cause we, you know, every year we see the the top five, the top six, top seven set, right. The consensus, like these are the guys. And then all of a sudden there's somebody who shoots up the last week or even the night of, right. Even Scotty Barnes last year was a surprise that, that yeah. he went above Jalen sucks. Suhan's a guy that might be that guy sneaks up into a spot where he goes a little bit earlier than than you would think once teams start getting him in for workouts they see what he's like physically i bet he shoots the the leather off the ball in an empty gym right like mm-hmm. i don't know R- I, rucker what do you think of sohan uh do you think i'm i'm headed in the right direction here yeah i, I think if if cpu are looking for versatility that's gonna be Sohan. like he he can do a little bit of everything the outside shot's coming along, but he's that nasty defensive Swiss Army knife that can switch and hold his own, and he plays tough. He battles. Knicks fans would love him in a hurry. It, it would just be figuring out, if you're getting him, what are you doing with the situation where it's Randall and Toppin and all of that? You just They would have to have a clear kind of solution. We haven't, to we haven't mentioned Taj yet. Taj, 
Taj yeah, is going t- nowhere, guys. Taj is playing for another 10 years. My man's got the fountain of youth, and he hasn't told any of us where it's at. Taj more minutes than Obi at certain points. He's bad. He's, he's, he's a fine wine. He gets better with age. I'm telling crazy, you. But, Brooklyn no, zone. but I, I love Sohan. I, I think he's going to be a realistic option. It wouldn't surprise me if that's a Tibbs guy because he just plays nasty. Um, the hair's obviously electric. He's a couple leopards away from being the Dennis Rodman of the modern era. So um, I, I really like him. I think there's definitely some serious upside and I could see Knicks fans not being in love with that idea. Cause it's like, maybe we have other needs, but yeah. he's, he's nasty. He, he really can do some special stuff on the defensive side of the ball. It, it's really hard to figure out, you know, what is the piece that can come in here and, and really help this team? Because the starting five is so clunky, man. Your top two guys, uh, they don't shoot threes over quite well. They don't finish at the rim quite well either. And then you have Mitchell Robinson in there who is is not a spacer, you know, not a floor spacer. So he's not helping things. He, he They need to open things up for RJ and Julius to even get to the rim. So it's just, it's just really, really difficult right now to figure out like the ideal fit that's going to help uh, complement what they're starting five, at, at least three, right? Because, you know, you said you have Fournier, you never know what's going to happen with Fournier. But for right now, you have R.J. Barrett, you have uh, Julius Randle, and I think most likely they will bring Mitchell Robinson back. They got to figure out how they're going to build it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Around that, and that's why I think Knicks fans start getting hot and heavy for Dyson Daniels. Yes, they should. I, I think was, Dyson. Can ask you about that Dyson Daniels. I think, that's been. He came to I the right think, place. I think Dyson Daniels answers so many of these questions that we've been talking about. Because one, Knicks fans want a point guard. He ran point for the G League Ignite um, in you know playing against pros, and he didn't look out of place. He looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. Two, according to uh, our guy Mike Schmitz, he's grown to six eight. Now, you know, I saw him in January, and I don't know if he looked 6'8". He's got a long neck, so I don't know how to judge that. But apparently he's 6'8". Uh, and whether he's 6'6 or 6'8", he's still a big, wingy point guard that's versatile, probably the best perimeter defender in the class. And he could dribble past shoot. You know, you look at the three-point percentages on the surface. Uh, they don't look great, but, you know, shout out to our friends at Instat. Uh, last 10 games, he's at 41.5%, I think, or 40.5% from three. So clearly it's something that he's working on, was improving throughout the season. And, you know, sometimes you got to trust your eyes and, and the shot looks good. And he knows and he said that what he's working on now is speeding up the release. But he could play off the ball, letting RJ handle, create, letting Julius have the ball, create. Or he could play on the ball and create for these guys, run, pick, and roll, uh, with Mitch run it, you know, with, uh, you know, Julius, you know, all, any kind of elbow actions and uh, he, he works as a cutter. I don't know. I think that if there's one guy, the Knicks, like if you're looking for somebody who Tibbs will play fits the, the roster construction to a T and can kind of patch up a little bit of these holes. I, I think Dyson Daniel yeah. might be, he might be the guy. 
And, you know, that's the size that Tibbs likes, right? This is why Alfred Payton was your starter. This is why Alex Burks <laughs> was your starter, because he wanted those bigger guards, guards that are switchable, that won't get killed on, on mismatches out there. And and on the offensive side, as you said, uh, given that R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle are ball-dominant players, they're going to be high-usage players. You need a guy that can both play off of them, but also be able to make a play when you need him to. And, and that was, an, again, a big issue uh, with the Knicks at the point. And this is going to be Julius Randle's fourth season with this team. As I said, I think he will be there with this team. They still haven't found a guard that can make him better. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge problem when it comes to Julius Randle. You know, he's not KD. He, he's not LeBron. He's he's not a guy that you just want to dump it down and rely on him to get you a tough bucket. Teams are are allowing him to do that, knowing that he's not highly efficient. He was one of the worst shooters this past season and teams know that and and we just have not been able to get him a guard that can get him something in rhythm and make the game a little bit easy for him and I think that's that's going to be crucial if he's going to be on this team going forward man uh everything's hard right like everything was hard for him this year and those shots were falling and when they're falling it looks good but it started you I mean you saw in the playoff series and then it, it carried over I mean, I, what does that guard look like? What kind of offense does that look like to get him easy shots? Like, yeah. you know, are you using him as a role man? And if you are, then what are you doing with Mitch? Are, yeah. You know, you, is he taking up space in the dunker spot? I mean, it's that, it's that's that's the the tricky thing because I think another thing that the Knicks could use um, is a stretch five. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a Miles Turner necessarily, but somebody that can keep the defense honest. Again, look in the playoffs right now. You look at a Brooke Lopez, you look at an Aiton, right? You have guys that can, you know, knock down a mid-range, knock down a three if they need to uh, with Mitchell Robinson, and he works on it. You know, I'll give, I'll give mm-hmm. credit to Mitch. I go to Nick games, I go to the pregame shoot-around. Mitch is working on his Jays. He, you know, he, he's, he's trying to work on that aspect of his game, but it's just not there right now. So, again – this is where Leon Rose has to decide, is it worth paying him knowing that, you know, it's still kind of a clunky fit with Julius Randle, your max guy, and R.J. Barrett, who you're going to give a max contract to down the road. Are these the three guys that you really want to have as the pillars of your starting lineup for, you know, the foreseeable future? It's tough because you don't want to lose that asset for nothing. I don't. I think Jericho right. Sims showed some real positive signs last year, but I don't know if he's ready to start at, what's probably one of the most, what the most important defensive position in the league, you know, like, and again, Tibbs, if if you're not going to be perfect on defense, you might get pulled. And you saw Tibbs get frustrated with, with Jericho a lot missing, you know, rotating over late. So I I don't think he's ready. So I I think you almost have to pay Mitch and maybe you figure it out later, but again, that that makes it hard. That makes it hard because it's hard to work that offense around. I, right. Because ideally, I think Julius has the skill set on offense to kind of play a little Draymondy. You know, I think he's a good yeah. playmaker. I think you could do some creative stuff like that with him, but it's all about the personnel. Um, Rucker, is it? Uh, there's not even a stretch five in this draft that like the Knicks could even yeah. be targeting, right? No, I, I don't think at their range. Um, because I think the Mitchell situation is going to be fascinating with Mitchell Robinson because I was like, I had some weird dream of like what if they were interested in mark williams as like a cheaper Mm. option that could almost Mm. kind of replicate that because i know mitchell's really talented but i've also known he's dealt with some injury concerns like over the years he struggled to stay healthy so i was like if they don't want to pay him 
maybe that's a wild outside of the box option they might bring in because he's lengthy, plays really tough defense. Tibbs might love that. But, you know, they're in a tough spot where I feel like the the option is the Dyson Daniels or getting a compliment for R.J. Barrett where that could, they could space the floor, get him some more offense, yeah. get everyone some help because, you know, I'm, I'm right there with Corey. Like, I think Julius Randle has a ton of talent. I just think he gets a little hero ball. He gets a little yes. like, okay, yeah. I got to get rolling. And if he has more help, where more offense, more contributors – that makes his life easier. He could slide better into that Draymond role that you're talking about, Corey. Yeah, and I, he needs to get stuff, like some easy buckets. He needs yeah. things to be easier for him because he's also somebody that we've seen gets in his feelings a little bit. And <laughs> and look. Just a I little. Mean, just a little. Yeah, just a little bit. A little bit. And, and, and we got somebody uh, on the show right now with firsthand uh, experience of dealing with the Randall family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, uh, they're, they're not fans of Knicks Fan TV. You know, when the show, <laughs> when the game goes off and the show starts, uh, we have other players and, and families who tune in. You know, you know, Mitch is a friend of the program. Quickly's as well. You know, Quentin Grimes and his camp are, are, are fans of the show. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but as you said, you know, I think the pressure to to win, the pressure to redeem after uh, an embarrassing series loss to the Hawks. You know, you're getting that max contract. I think a lot of that weight on Julius Randle. And on top of that, you know, Knicks fans are impatient, man. They, they don't care about what happened last year. This year is this year, and they want to see results. You brought in the guys. You brought in Kemba. You brought in, uh, uh, you know, Fournier. They were supposed to make his life easier. They didn't. And I think, again, there was a lot of pressure on him to produce and perform for this team. And, you know, the booze started going on, and he's a guy who's heavy on social media, and, and I'm sure he saw a lot of fans di- directing their frustration and their ire at him. And after seeing that, you know, his wife <laughs> aired me out <laughs> as, as <laughs> the ringleader of all of this, you know, the, the, the puppet master, if you will. Heavy is so, the crown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, look, I think this is a tough place to play. I've known that since I was eight years old watching this team. I, I've known that since, you know, I, I, I was hurt. Kyrie don't know it. Ky- yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie don't know it. He certainly don't know it. He's ready to call it a Knicks town. Yeah, yeah that's he's why they went out. It. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, look, I, I saw what they did to Patrick Ewan. I saw what they did to mm-hmm. Carmelo. I see what they're doing to Julius. That's just what it is when you're the guy. And Julius claimed to understand that. Two years ago, you know, he went on Bleacher Report. He went on uh, Old Man in Three and talked so highly about understanding the the expectations of Knicks fans and and understanding what you know how things would change if they won here. But it, it's different to you know when when you're winning and things are going well, but when you're losing, it's it's a whole other thing. And I thought that really mentally drained him. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from that because what we just talked about. OB Toppin has captured this fan base. Mm. And what I'm telling you is if they get off to slow start or they get off, you know, uh, a below 500 start and, and Julius is again, uh, you know, not hustling on defense, not getting after it on the boards, taking terrible shots, making bad decisions. They're going to turn on him again. I don't think there's yeah. any way around it. And they're going to be chomping at the bit to get OB Toppin back in there. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how that next season starts off. It is going to be interesting because Knicks fans are passionate, man. Like, and that's why I always give credit to Carmelo. And when anytime like Knicks fans would, you know, be talking about Melo, the type of player he is, he's this, that. I always say, 
he took the challenge on. Never he wanted ran. it. He wanted yeah. it. He wanted the smoke. And uh, it's unless you're in it, involved in it, you're from New York, you, you grow up listening to the fan. You hear these people calling in. A lot of the the passionate fans that are uh, not fanatics that are maybe a little bit more casual, but still have that that you know yeah. uh, enthusiasm for the fan base and, and aren't seeing the the daily. Like he took that. And he, he wanted it, and he never, he never wanted to, you know, run from it. So I, yeah. I always give credit for him, and this is the most successful teams that the Knicks have had, you know, with him. So I look th- those mellow years. That's you got to find the, the next mellow if you want to be like you got to have that mentality if if you want to play in New York. You got to pivoting back to the draft a little bit. We're talking about floor spacing. I want to throw a little wild card at you, Rucker, because mm-hmm. I know I know you like this guy a little bit. And he just came in at number 14 on you gonna steal the, my guy? The, on the draft stock market update that we released at no ceilings nba.com. Malachi Branham. I Ohio was State. literally just about mm-hmm. to ask C- CP about Branham. So you're you're reading my mind right now. Um I think that's the name Knicks fans should start getting familiar with because I think he's going to be a realistic option there. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes before. I, I think a lot of NBA teams are really getting intrigued with him. But the idea of putting him next to R.J. Barrett is is really fascinating to me because he can do – he can space the floor from outside. He's got a quick shot, good catch and shoot. Um, he's really dangerous pick and roll. And he's got playmaking upside. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like a – an RJ compliment that really can stretch the floor. Like he's got a quick release. He really can get hot from deep. So I think that's kind of the outside the the box option that if I were a Knicks fan, I would get educated on because he could, he's real upside to be a, a lethal volume scorer. Like I love Matherin there. That's probably my dream for the Knicks because, you know, I'm tired of you're seeing him in the lottery. We want to get out Arizona of the lottery. Guy. You're yeah, an Arizona yeah. guy. Yeah, I'm an Arizona guy. I love Matherin. He's he's made for the Knicks. He would be perfect for you guys. But, you know, Dyson Daniels, I think Branham should be up in that mix too. I, I think he could be a really great fit for with that team, especially with what they need. And Branham also has that versatility where he can do some special stuff on both sides of the floor. So, mm. Well, let, let me ask you this. I, I definitely got to do some more homework on Branham, but the way that you described him, uh, we took a guy last year in Quentin Grimes. Oh, yes. That was an excellent three-point shooter. Quick release. You know, jumped onto the scene when he got his opportunity. Season high, 27 points against the Bucks. Uh, the, the the defense was certainly on display, carried over from use in the shooting. Excellent. Uh, and he showed a little bit of playmaking. I wouldn't say, you know, it was anything crazy, but it, I think that was one of the things coming out of Houston that, that we wanted to see if he could do, right? Could he put the ball on the floor? Didn't attack the rim enough for me, but could he put the ball on the floor and could he make, a, you know, some more plays? And he did that a little bit in, in, in you know, his, his few games with the Knicks. How, how do you think those two guys uh, match up? I think they could play together. And I'm glad you brought up Grimes because uh, I think Grimes is one of the guys on the Knicks that is that kind of versatile, can play in a multitude of lineups. I think he he's a guy that I, I would consider somebody that is is a building block going forward. And it's funny we um, I just went on Locked On Knicks last week, mm-hmm. and um, you know we were like one of the questions that they had gotten for us was like basically include the young players on the Knicks with the prospects in this draft and try to like make a big board off of that. And 
the locked on guys, because I know Knicks fans love their quickly, they had quickly above Grimes. And I had Grimes above quickly because mm-hmm. for the for those reasons, I see him as a guy where I look in the playoffs, I'm like, Yeah, is this dude gonna get played off the floor in the playoffs? Right, right. And I'm like, I don't think so. Cause I he's big, he's strong, he could defend, he's gonna shoot it at forty percent, and he could play off of any kind of lineup. If if you could play him with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, if you move Randall and you get another on ball creator, you could play him there. Maybe he develops a little bit. And it's funny because Grimes is a guy when he was coming into college, he was a projected one and done guy in Kansas, like top 10 pick. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he doesn't even have the pedigree to be one of these guys. Like he had, he, he always had that pedigree. It just took a little bit. What did it take Rucker? It took a little little bit of time, just a little bit of time. (laughs) Sometimes it takes time, but I, I think Grimes is, is a building block. And I think Branham's a guy who could play alongside him because Mm -hmm. You know, he's another guy that could play with or without the ball. And he's another guy that's going to space the floor. Like this dude, he's always shot ready. Like there's uh, like a a few possessions that you just watch of this kid where EJ Liddell got the ball in the post and Branham's literally waiting there like this. Like, I'm ready. Kick me that rock. I know you're about to, I'm ready to put it up. Let it fly. Like no time. So I'm, I'm with it. Like Branham is a guy, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Uh, high school, you know, uh, from Ohio. I think he's he's the type of guy, like Rucker said, he Knicks fans need to get familiar with because he could be a realistic option there. Yeah, you know, it's funny on the Grimes quickly thing. We set up a, a fan mailbag for, for our last show, Knicks Weekly, and one of the questions was if the Knicks were to consolidate the roster, which which they likely will, and and it includes their young players, who would you pick? between quickly and Grimes. And I said the same thing you did. I said Grimes, because if you look at the playoffs, yep. a guy like a Grimes is, is what you need. You know, yeah. the positional versatility, big, tough, uh, doesn't need the ball. You know, he can yeah. fit in any lineup. He can fit with anyone. Playoff ball, like a, like, like look at him like a Connaughton almost mm. um, with, with the Bucks. You know, a guy that doesn't need the ball, that can stretch the floor for you. I think I, I would choose a guy like a Grimes over a quickly if they were to make a consolidation move. Uh, I love Grimes' game. Yeah, and I, I really like quickly, so it's not like I'm trying to, you know, say that I think the Knicks should get rid of him or anything. But yeah. again, it's like it just comes back to when you watch the playoffs, and that's the ultimate goal, right? You know, like at, at least getting back to the playoffs, that atmosphere. I mean, you know, the Garden is untouchable in the playoffs. There, there's not an atmosphere like it. I went to last year to to ignite this Brooklyn Knicks rivalry a little bit. I went to <laughs> KD toe on the line game against Giannis last year. Yeah. The highest level of basketball I've ever seen in person. Mm. I bought tickets day of after fees, $75. I don't even know. I can't get through the the metal detector for $75 at the garden. You can't even get to the gift shop, bro. (laughs) So, you know, like, I mean, that's the goal for the Knicks get yeah. back to the respectability to the garden, hopefully build a championship team. And it's just easier to do that with a player like Grimes who can just fit in a multitude of yeah. lineups. And, and again, like how many guys is quickly going to guard in a playoff setting? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And it's not, he's like, he's not going to try. He's going to try and he's long, he, you know, but in a playoffs, it's not Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony that you got to guard. Is Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton you got to switch on to. And right, that's just right, a different right. beast. Right. 
And, and it was funny you said that, just, just to wrap quick on Grimes, you know, and, and Middleton, and you brought that up. That was, you know, when Grimes had his career high against the Bucks at home with the 27 points on the defensive end, you know, Middleton was really schooling him. You know, he was going for mm-hmm. all the ball fakes and, you know, really had him flustered. And then they played the Bucks again in Milwaukee. Didn't have the same offensive output, but I was watching him intently to see how he would adjust against Middleton and did a much better job. And then the other thing about Grimes is that, you know, if you want to build an identity on defense transition and take away, you know, Grimes is that guy. You know, again, just looking at that Knicks defense and and how, you know, Porsche was, we didn't have a lot of takeaways. He gets in there, he's jumping in the pass lanes. He's a, he's a disruptor mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. So he's a guy that, you know, when you want to establish an identity, he's a guy that you want. You know, he's he's a guy that you want in that rotation. And I, that's why Tibbs loved him. And I don't think he's coming out of it. Once he's healthy, the injury, the knee injury kind of derailed him a little bit in, in terms of finishing the season strong. But next season, I think he's going to be right back in that rotation. Yeah, I agree. Wrapping up, we have to bring it up. We got to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's the, the tensions in the air. There's some flirting with fan bases. Donovan Mitchell. What are you hearing? Well, he was definitely at the Mets game like last week. And one of my homies hit me up. He's like, Mitchell's here. He's holding court like he's the mayor of New York. <laughs> so, you know, when he comes home, he makes himself at home. But then uh, Tim McMahon of ESPN came out with an article and, and really talked about how much the Jazz are invested in Mitchell. And and Ryan Smith, the, the young billionaire owner, and Dwayne Wade, they're going to they're traveling to Connecticut every year to meet with Mitchell to kind of have an offseason debrief. Uh, or season debrief, if you will. They've made, uh, um, you know, moves to to make him happy. They've hired his personal trainer. They've hired his personal security. The signing of Eric Pascal was a Donovan Mitchell uh, request. So clearly it seems like, you know, they really want to do what they can to make him happy. Between him and Gobert, I think if they do make a move to make this Utah team better, it's certainly going to be Rudy Gobert, in my opinion. And I think mm-hmm. they'll they'll give the Mitchell experiment a couple more years to, to see it through and see what happens, you know, uh, but Danny Ainge isn't, isn't afraid to shake things up if he has to, you know, Danny Ainge is also in that organization now coming from Boston. So you just never know with Ainge, but I think where Mitchell is and with the Knicks with three years left on his deal and, and a fourth year player option, he has no leverage mm-hmm. and the Knicks have no leverage. And so if he was really adamant about leaving Utah, which we haven't heard that yet, it's going to cost the Knicks arm and a leg. And it's not going to be Julius Randle. You know, it's going to start with RJ, probably yeah. Obi picks, probably quickly as well. It's, it's going to be a huge hole. And so I think that's the the question that, uh, you know, Knicks fans are presented with is, is, you know, would you give up a huge hole for Donovan Mitchell? I'm not so sure from there just yet. I think a lot of fans have soured on him after this playoff exit, which I think is a little foolhardy myself. Yes, his defense had yes. fallen off, but – this is a guy he t- he's taking his team to the playoffs every single year since a rookie. 50 burgers. It's a rookie in the West. Yeah. And that team isn't overly, that team isn't overly talented. They're not overly deep, but they're, they're a solid team, well-coached team. But he's been at the forefront of getting them to that spot. We don't have that here. No. And it feels at least a year early, right? Right. You know, right. like, and, you know, you, you I understand wanting him because he's a little different than some of the you know the the Steph the Steve Francis like the let's go get the guy he's he's entering his prime if anything right right so 
But then the other side of it is the Knicks are notorious for not developing their own talent. Right. So I think it's a year early. I think they'll get rid of Gobert. They'll move on from Gobert. And if they don't, then maybe then you start talking about an in-season thing because it's clearly there's some beef there. There's a rift, man. There's, there's a rift. 100%, bro. 100%. Like, uh, so it's clearly there. There's got to be a shakeup, but uh, it feels year early. I, I think that ultimately we start hearing that heat up a little bit more next year than than this offseason. But again, if he if he makes a request, then all bets are off. So if he does make the request, hypothetically, mm-hmm. what do you think? Is it worth it? Give up the farm? Stay the course? What are see, we doing? See, what you said a couple of bars ago is why I'd be leery to do that. We haven't developed our guys yet, man. Mm. We don't have a guy. You know, when you a lot of times when you see these blockbuster trades, guys are coming into situations where there's at least one guy that you can say, okay, Here's another guy that can help bail me out in, in the event that I have, you know, off night. It's another guy that can take the shine, can take the spotlight, can be a premier shot creator. Look at the playoffs, man. You need shot creation. You need a pull-up bag. And look, mm-hmm. RJ is my guy, but he doesn't have it yet. And he's working on it. And he, mm-hmm. he was trying to work on it last year. You take a look at what Drew Hanlon said in his mail back there, working on it. Shot creation. We just don't have that right now. And so to give up everything for a Donovan Mitchell plus a, your, your your extra draft capital, you're coming back here with with an empty cupboard, with an empty mm-hmm. slate. Who are you getting after that? That's yeah. the question. And who are you trading to get that piece if you have to give up most of it already for Donovan Mitchell? We just haven't established additional young players so you can be comfortable saying, if I lose an RJ, if I lose another guy, we still have this guy here that, you know, Donovan Mitchell can play with and then build from there. Yeah. Cause it seems like the trend now is the big time free agent guys. They're getting the biggest bag from their team and they'll just make the request later. They're all taking the money. Yep. Take the money. They're taking the money. There's yeah. too much money out there to not take, yeah. <laughs> to not take the money. Right. And if they say, all right, if I want to be moved in a year, they'll move me. So you get Donovan, like you said, so what now, you have some some cap space, but that might not get you too much the way the free agency is looking now. Last question. Was the envelope frozen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was frozen. It was frozen. It just it, it makes it just makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It just makes sense. Uh with, with David Stern taking over the league, uh new, trying to get New York back on top. It just makes sense. I'm buying the the frozen envelope conspiracy. I'm telling you, bro. We gotta we gotta do an investigative, yeah, pod serial style podcast yeah. about this, yeah, and go find all of the old people, do some yeah. interviews, do our 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 journalistic duties, and yeah. figure this yeah. out once and for all. We gotta get to the bottom of it. We gotta get to the bottom of it. But I I, I believe it. I really do, bro. I really do. And look, it you know it it almost worked. It almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> For a long time, that this team was a competitive, tough team. Patrick Ewing, phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player, and and uh, you know, leader of this team. He put he put the franchise on his knees, put it on his knees. The ice wraps and everything. It just uh, we just felt short, man. I got a Patrick Ewing story. My family moved to Orlando. For a couple of years, when I was like 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. he's coaching. He's an assistant coach. Got Dwight. My dad was working at Best Buy. 
I was I stayed here or whatever, but I went and visit one time. He's like, we're going to the Magic game. It's like through Best Buy. I'm get you on. I'm getting you on the court during during shoot around during yeah. warm ups. So I'm sitting on the Magic bench. I'm watching Pat go. You know, just do one on one stuff with Dwight. My little brother, probably like 12 years old. You know, my whole family Knicks fans. My little brother's wearing a Clyde jersey. Goes and asks Pat for for an autograph. Wrong move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> brushes him off. Little twelve year old, right? <laughs> Ain't getting it. No. Yeah. Pat's locked in. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like that's fucked up. <laughs> like, what's my little brother? He's a little kid. Yeah. You know. And uh, so a ball rolls over to me. At one point, I'm on the bench, and uh, I throw a laser bounce pass right in the back. On the money, I hit him. I hit Patrick Ewing with a with a bounce pass when he wasn't looking. I, I made sure I like dodgeball style. <laughs> so you so you never got the autograph. On, you on the road, nah, we didn't get an autograph. No. They escorted us back to our seats after that. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Yeah, that was one thing, man. He was just he was never really so friendly with the fans, and and you know he wasn't really an autograph guy. That was that nah. was. That was nah, big with you. But, playing, but, you know. All-time Nick. All-time all Nick. All-time all Nick with the best knee pads. Yeah. CP, I appreciate you coming on, man, chopping it up, uh, letting the, the draft world into the world of the Knicks because, you know, uh, our audience, they follow, you know, for the draft talk. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the teams that these guys go to and how they fit and what they're yeah. already building and how they mesh into the world. So, you know, we appreciate you coming here and giving your insight. Number one Knicks fan in the world taking over the spot spike got to give up his chair soon got it he's got to give it up man he's got to give it up i'm I'm coming for those seats spike uh but now fellas like i said this is a very very important time for us Knicks fans and we really value the content that you guys are putting out so anytime i can come on to support i appreciate it uh we're gonna have you guys back on on my show to to do a draft deep dive the fans really appreciate it and uh again looking forward to it tell uh tell the the world where they can uh find you on the world wide web yeah, absolutely, man. YouTube.com slash KnicksFanTV. You can follow me on uh, all social media at CPTheFanchise. And like I said, thanks again for having me on. Throwing shots at, at Max Kellerman. He's been ducking <laughs> you for a minute. Yeah, he's, he's been ducking the smoke, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Max. You know, that, that was an epic confrontation, man. I'll never forget it. Yeah, you came out the victor. Rucker, tell, uh, tell the people where they can find you. I'm at NoCeilingsNBA.com, and I'm at uh, Backward V on social media. CP, thanks for coming on, man. I, I had a blast listening to your Knicks fandom, and I'm a Knicks fan of the lottery now. Let's let's get some magic. Let's, let's get up there. Right, let's <laughs> they, need, do it, they need the lottery look. You can yeah. find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on YouTube, uh, No Ceilings TV on YouTube. Hit hit uh, a thousand subs today on that channel. So you know, start cutting the checks, boys. And uh, <laughs> rookie of the year, <laughs> as you as uh, as we said, no ceilings nba.com. Subscribe, it's free, delivering articles to you Monday through Friday and sometimes Sunday, right to your inbox. So, uh, appreciate you all for rocking with us, for watching, for listening, and uh, give a thumbs up for the boys. All we day. out, peace. <laughs>